Welcome to Let's Unpack That with Kendall. Today, you are my guest, Allison Doring. Allison and Same. I met in middle school, but we didn't become friends until after my freshman year of high school, your sophomore year, when we were in New Orleans together, cleaning up some moldy houses. And that's when it all began. And I was thinking about it because I visited you in Denver eight years ago. And that was when you first moved to Denver, which is crazy. You've lived there for eight years. A long time ago. Yes. It's a long time. So that's how we met and that's where you live. But also I will let you add anything that you want to add <laughs> that you think the <laughs> listeners should know. Oh, wow. About you. About me. I'm a product manager. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was going to ask about work, but I didn't really. A homeowner. Like <laughs> These are the, like the things. I own a cat and a dog. I am not single. So if anyone's really into my podcast voice, sorry, sorry. not going to work out. <laughs> That's a fantastic introduction. So thank you so much. Thank you for being my very first podcast guest too. Very excited. You're so welcome. Thanks for uh, having me. Yeah. I also sent you a brief outline of some things I want to talk about, and I was very happy to hear that you're willing to talk about something that's relatively personal. It's very fitting today to discuss children because our friend Nancy just went into labor. <gasps> my friend Nancy. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so exciting. I know. She said it's not very exciting because early labor is slow. She went in at 4 a.m. Her water broke. And so she's been oh. up 10 hours. No Sheesh. updates yet, but it's very exciting. So I'm having my birthdays tomorrow. I'll be turning 31, which is the age that my mom had me at. She had just turned 31. So whoa, my friend Nancy's having a baby. My mother Nancy had me at this time. So I'm thinking a lot about motherhood, man. And if it's for me, <laughs> I mean, just not if Cheers. it's for me, because I do know I want to have children, but just the whole, <laughs> the whole gambit, it's a lot. Oh, I'm, I'm excited to unpack this with you and hear your thoughts. Let's unpack that. Yeah. So let's dive right in. Do okay. you want to have children? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> no idea. Um, yeah, okay. I have some idea. It's, it, I think about it too often i think i read an article once that was like if you're not sure if you should have kids try not thinking about it for two months and come back to it and i was okay well it pops into my brain every other day so every i don't know day. how to do that <laughs> every other day is a lot but i mean i think it the amount of time i spend thinking about it does increase as more people around me nancy for example start to have kids or multiple kids and I'm sitting over here just still not sure almost 32. <laughs> Today it's 60-40, 60 no, 60% no, 40% maybe. Yeah. That's higher than I would have thought because my understanding from talking to you in the past has been hard no. Oh, <laughs> mm, maybe that was when I was more single. <laughs> I think, I think the mentality, yeah, 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 exactly. When I was single, I feel it was absolutely not. I will never have children, which is so easy to say when you are single and the choice is obviously still very open, but much more difficult. Yeah. It feels more tangible, obviously, when you have a partner and you could literally do that 
tomorrow or try mm-hmm. to do that tomorrow, today, yeah. whatever. <laughs> when you were starting to date your partner, Brian, I remember you said that you filtered for ambivalence about kids, which I find interesting that that's even <laughs> a filter. And I think it's really good. It absolutely should be. It's also funny because it's just height, college, <laughs> children. Religious affiliation, yeah. children. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Hinge, at least at the time that I was using it, would let you filter based on hard yes for kids, hard no for kids, or I don't know. I don't think he specifically said, I don't know, but I was, I can't see myself starting to try and date someone who's a hard yes or a hard no. Neither of those felt comfortable to me. So you were specifically looking for neither. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Brian's profile didn't have a child or religious affiliation, which I was thrilled about. (laughs) And how early on did you ask him his thoughts because maybe he just left that blank you know mm. or did you uh i think it was actually fairly choice? late not late but oh was it a conscious choice i think he i mean we are very much in the same mindset which is they don't know which as i don't know i start to get older i feel it starts to lean more towards just no if you're still not sure it only gets harder as you get older we started dating at the end of july of 2020 and i we talked about it briefly in March of 2021. I was like, so in a nine rant. Like you're better at math than I am, so sure, nine months. Why not? <laughs> That's interesting. Weird timing. <laughs> One gestation period <laughs> yeah. is the time it took me to broach this subject. Yep. Interesting. But that that's much later than I would have thought because that's a big question. And then I think nine months and you're already pretty invested in a person mm-hmm. uh, definitely and what did he say i didn't even ask it as a question i just blurted out i have no idea if i have want to want to have kids and he was like yeah same like, great let's move on <laughs> perfect, perfect. <laughs> it was around the same time that we had first said i love you so it was kind of all right just yeah the big step. double checking now that i'm committing myself to you love wise let's make sure we're not way on different ends of the spectrum in terms of children <laughs> that might take things back a notch. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So pre-Brian, when you were much more no, you've touched on the fact that you were speaking practically of there's no viable partner at this time. Mm -hmm. Uh, But aside from practicality, conceptually, why were you leaning more towards no? Yeah, I can't remember when I first started hearing articles and things about this, but it's probably two main factors. One is there's this interesting environmental factor that people are continuing to bring up as climate change becomes more and more real. And then I think the second is definitely just financially, it's a huge impact on your life. Thirdly is just lifestyle wise, travel is something that people love to do that is significantly hampered by children, even stupid things like having a nice couch. (laughs) That kind of decision, one, is made more difficult just by, well, I'm spending money or saving money for this child's future higher education. Do I really need this nice couch? And two, you know, the obvious, is my child going to just fuck this thing up anyways? Is it worth it? Although, What do you mean by that? (laughs) 
you know, spill peanut butter and jelly on oh, the couch or whatever. Of my actual belongings. I thought you meant the world. <laughs> yeah. I was I don't know if we can blame it all on your child, no, but <laughs> not everything. <laughs> but yeah, I think the environmental factor is a huge one. I actually did a little bit of research and it turns out, at least according to this one random article from Image, I don't know how much I need to quote from this thing, but one child produces 58.6 tons of carbon each year. Another fun fact, out of all the things that one could do to reduce your environmental say, impact, mm-hmm. not having kids is the biggest. So The number you know. one is, is, I saw it was have one less child. I don't mm-hmm. know if it was worded. I think the we same read the same article. For you, yeah, but I thought that one was super interesting. Um, Definitely. My first thought is, oh, Michael's the oldest of four. That's bad. <laughs> Which is so not fair. I can't just point to people who have more than two children and be like, shame on you. <laughs> <laughs> it is but. such a weird thing, though. Sometimes my head does go to that that place where it's like, really. Did you need them all? <laughs> but then, then you're like, whoa, that's aggressive. I completely agree. And the number one thing on my mind is definitely the state of the world. And it's funny because I don't base that in hard science. It's not mm. I'm reading all these studies and things like that. I'm just doing right. the classic. I read a few headlines and they scared me. Michael and I were having a debate about that. He is not a climate change denier by any means but he's much more educated he's read books on how the climate has changed over time and Mm -hmm. our energy uses and things like that so he can speak more intelligently so whenever i try to push on him he's like have you done any research no i just see a lot of headlines that are scary (laughs) so i mean i think it's fair to be afraid from what the media is telling us right but i'm just it's definitely a potentially skewed perspective no i agree also not well versed (laughs) you know the same articles you read down upon one another where you're not going to start seeing the alternative perspective or even a more neutral perspective so it just increases in value yeah did you read sally rooney's beautiful world where are you no tell me more you introduced me to Sally Rooney, but I don't know if that's accurate. Her latest book is Beautiful World, Where Are You? And I didn't love it, probably because it's a little doomsday. She mm. pontificates about, should you have a child right now? This climate disaster, the world is ending type thing. So that one definitely sticks in my brain. It triggers something in me where I'm, Ugh. But then she says, you know, people are going to keep having babies anyway. So it's definitely. not like I'm tipping the scales type thing. Then she goes on to say something to the effect of, I'd like to be on the side of the kids versus a bystander. Mm. And I think that's just her, I mean, this is her character, not her herself, but sure, sure, her character just being like, I'd rather be at least more actively caring. <laughs> it's not to say if you don't have children, you are passively not caring, but <laughs> it's just, I just thought it was interesting the way she justified it you can obviously say oh everyone's gonna keep having babies but what was the quote we have to try either way to build a world they can live in and i feel a strange sense that i want to be on the children's side and on the side of their mothers to be with them not just an observer admiring them from a distance speculating Mm. about their best interests but one of them i'm not saying by the way that i think that's important for everyone i think only that i can't explain why that it's important for me 
<laughs> the way she writes too also is hedging i'm not sure if that's for everyone but that's how i feel so totally i feel like that's um actually feels quite similar to me honestly i i, I don't want to be on a side or like you said shunning anyone who doesn't have kids i actually feel like that quote i could actually equally identify with just sans children in my own household. I would love to be involved <laughs> with mothers and children, not in a creepy way, but I've told you this before. I don't really like holding babies that don't, you know, aren't within my friend's circle, but I'd love to hold your baby and, you know, help grow up with it or whatever that means. It takes a village and whatnot. It would be an interesting experience to grow up, to grow up, to grow old helping my friends raise their kids, I guess, and not necessarily take on that burden for myself. Um, but here we are. I feel like you're saying, correct me if I'm wrong, you're a nurturing person. It doesn't have to necessarily be your own child. It's not your anti-kid yeah. if you don't have kids. And I wasn't yeah. trying to paint it that way either. I was listening to a podcast and they were discussing the movie The Lost Daughter, which is based on a book by Elena Ferrante. And mm -hmm. I found the movie really disturbing, but it highlights a lot of the challenges of motherhood and how it really does a number on your identity. And they were talking, mm -hmm. they're both mothers, the podcast says, they were talking about being an unnatural mother. And one mm -hmm. identified with that more strongly than the other because she, you know, had a nanny and worked full time and, and she just had kind of put herself in the unnatural mother category because there's so much mommy shaming and you have to do this and this and this and, and like that. But I think the not wanting to hold young children makes me feel like I would be an unnatural mother. I, I know I've always wanted children. I've never wavered on that, but I do not mm. enjoy holding small children. <laughs> I'm just now transitioning into liking small children because one of my friends has one that likes me and it's very important. <laughs> they like me, I'm all in, but if they're ambivalent to me, I hate children. You know, <laughs> it's very, I have a very fragile ego and they're very, <laughs> I was talking about this with a friend, you know, they're very honest, brutally honest. And so they can be unnerving. Uh, I think so it's true. more when they're full on people with personalities, but still, I just wanted to see if that resonates for you at all, feeling maybe unnatural or hmm. not yeah. maternal. I could see that. Yeah, I really try not to compare myself to others in this world, but I think as a potential mother, I would absolutely do that. I feel like I have worked in sort of mothering spaces before as a camp counselor, a nanny for a church, even babysitting. And even even if I'm doing it kind of in a one-on-one -on -one space, someone else in my life could be doing this way better. They just they would know the right things to say or they would be, you know, more firm when they need to be, but nicer when they don't, whatever. I think I would struggle with that. I also feel like I've I've always been, I don't I don't know. I've always had a lot of cares for people, but how to express them has never been my strong suit. Verbally expressing love and affirmations. It wasn't a huge thing in, in our household growing up. And it, so it just doesn't come very naturally to me. And I feel like that's essential to being at least the classic mother. I think it's kind of important for children growing up. And I, would, I think I would have to almost train myself to try and do those things and never feel like I'm doing it enough. And you can't sit down with a five-year-old and be like, am I, 
am I affirming you enough? Do you feel like I'm supporting you? Mm-hmm. You know, the, and there's only so much one can do. I, I don't think there's such a thing as a perfect mother out there anyways, but the amount of questioning and fear that would go through my head day to day in, in throughout the, the lifespan of that child would be a lot, <laughs> a lot. Absolutely. I think one, it's very healthy that you try not to compare yourself yourself to anyone because that's probably my, I don't know, number one <laughs> struggle. But I mean, there's so many things I would put up as my number one struggle. So who knows? <laughs> but that's a big one for me in life. And then mothering just feels like it should be so intuitive. That's how it's mm-hmm. sold to us, or at least that's my interpretation that I would yeah. question any time it felt hard, which is probably all the time. So I would constantly be wondering if I was doing it right, (laughs) which is very scary. I know in life there's no playbook and everyone does everything for the first time, but Mm -hmm. to your point about someone else would know how to just naturally step in here. Mm -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm. That's. It's weird. It is weird. (laughs) It's just a little, it's intimidating to think about. And it's funny because I never really get that far down. I just, am, oh, I want, I want kids. And I don't really think about what I would truly be like as a mother. I just, mm. am, well, I don't need to really follow that fantasy or down further because I already have my answer. <laughs> so it doesn't really <laughs> matter. But I think that's just probably a mental block. <laughs> I don't know. Of- I What is, what is even the norm? I, it's such a weird right. being a mother is so prescribed to almost, I think all women <laughs> that I, I, like you said, there's no playbook for anything in life, but I, I don't think there's even a playbook for deciding if you are going to be a mother, if you would be fit to be a mother, if you maybe are on the spectrum of being a good mother, but have some things to work on. Like the, I, I've, that would be an interesting, I'm sure there's a book or an article or all of the above out there that's, hey, here's some ways to mentally prepare for being a mother. <laughs> yeah. Some things to think about. But I'm sure, I'm sure that exists. It's just, <laughs> it reminds me of this thought that you and I would go back to about. Oh, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> did you think you could avoid it? About <laughs> having children in your 20s. So this is not a, a PC view. So we're going to get me canceled before I even begin. But this is my personal opinion that I would not want to have kids in my 20s. As someone about to turn 31, then I already completed that. So do I need Heck. to rant more about it? No. But I just personally. I will maybe try to finagle it to sound more eloquent and less mm. crazy, but to <laughs> me, biologically, is it better to have children in your 20s? Yeah, sure. You're That's when you're primed for it. I don't negate that, but I do think there's critical learnings to be had before mm. 30, and 30 is somewhat arbitrary. I don't know when you reached your peak of readiness (laughs) and, you know, which is why I struggle with when to have children. But I just really, I sometimes feel like people bypass their personal development and growth by just having a child. And Mm. I think it creates meaning in your life. Absolutely. If I had a kid right now, I would feel everything I did was more meaningful in some way because it was for something beyond just me. And I think that's a lot of what meaning is maybe just my personal definition, but I just... Not only do you compromise your lifestyle so much and you don't get to do a lot of young 20s 
things. Mm-hmm. I just wonder if anyone else struggles with that because I struggle with am I prepared? Am I doing, am I living enough life before I just give up my life for this Mm. other being? And I don't know if you want to discuss your thoughts more eloquently (laughs) and and say, Oh, Oh. actually I don't agree with that at all. But I I think we would rant and say that in much less nice terms that people in their twenties aren't living if they're having children. (laughs) I I, I felt that way very strongly. And, Mm. um, I've softened on that judgment because I think there's a lot of judgment in there, but I still ultimately hold that belief. <laughs> there's ways to peel back that onion where I'm trying not to be offensive. <laughs> <laughs> I know lots of people who who had kids under the age of 30. I've got a good friend who's now in her 40s who had kids when she was in her early 20s. And I don't know, I think in some ways she's better for it. Now she's kind of living her 20s in her in her early 40s which is cool but for me personally um i didn't really have a choice (laughs) i met my significant other just shy of turning 30 but yeah it was a hard no for me and i sometimes i think i feel sad for people who decide to have kids in their 20s because it's like you said all those things that you get to do understanding yourself travel just having those ridiculous nights out with friends until three in the morning doing god knows what all that's lost and you mentioned earlier you know being a mother's difficult and there's this whole identity thing that happens and you know coming out the other side of it having this full-grown adult and now trying to re-acclimate yourself as an individual with society sounds daunting. I struggle with that. And I just have myself and, you know, some fur babies and a boyfriend to deal with, (laughs) you know, let alone having focused your entire life's energy for the past however many years on making this thing succeed. Um, Sounds, sounds like a lot. I don't think that was more eloquent, but the part that also gets me about having kids is that it never really ends. Yeah. At a certain point, they're way less reliant on you, but you're still that person's mother and you Mm -hmm. still feel responsible somehow. And that really freaks me out because (laughs) I'm just not ready for a forever commitment. I just, I have commitment issues. (laughs) So (laughs) the idea of my friend having a kid today, she has that kid the rest of her life now Mm -hmm. you know there is no more nancy without her kid and so i don't even know when i think obviously when they're 18 plus you can start doing more of like who am i without this person i think Mm -hmm. maybe we're not touching on the fact that some people actively maintain their independence while doing this um Mm. i don't know i think having a kid just is so consuming you lose a part of yourself without even with the best intentions, but Mm -hmm. again, who am I to say? But (laughs) yeah, I just, I'm not saying that people need to go have parties till 3am, you know, that's what (laughs) you're missing. But I just think, and it's not to say that everyone in their twenties was working on themselves and really improving. I just think you don't have to ask yourself as many questions because you frankly don't even have the bandwidth, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, once you have a child, it's just, oh, this is my purpose, you know, 
this is my where all my energy is going mm. so i just i just it's an I, interesting topic. it's it's the lifestyle <laughs> change you know i think that's yeah. what, what it really comes down to is for me the biggest fear ahead of climate change really is more selfish it's just having to not being my number one priority you know i can't just read a book in the middle of the afternoon totally <laughs> because i want to <laughs> you just can't do anything on a whim for yourself because someone tiny is relying on you and they're so reliant on you in the beginning that's what really gets mm, me mm-hmm. but just um when you and brian talk about it is it do you think do you put lifestyle as your number one or is that not as top of mind when you think about it i i think that's probably number one i i, I mean you said reading a book in the afternoon i we have today off and got a lot of shit done and then you know had a gummy well he had a gummy <laughs> i am sober for this podcast you don't have to <laughs> but, be you want to take i know i podcast, thought about it but you do you next time next, next time, time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you, you know afterwards gummy, you know whenever yeah, you want ever. yeah but even something as simple as you know reading a book or doing getting I, I mean i hardcore cleaned my shower earlier was so satisfying yeah you can't you can't always do those things um we're probably overcomplicating it. Obviously, people clean their houses all and have children all the time, but it, it sounds a lot harder. Yeah, I trust this is where it goes back to. This is why I do think about it all the time. I just finished work and I'm exhausted. I want to just be indulgent and get some sushi and do absolutely nothing for the next couple of hours at least. And and then I'm like, oof, if I had a kid right now, couldn't do that. And you know, I I think humans are very adaptable you always find a way so i mean people have been doing it for decades centuries years whatever but i don't know if i want to have to try and figure it out (laughs) yeah and i think when you were talking about try not to think about it for two months if you're ambivalent or it's hard because it comes up and does that mean that you should are we overthinkers when we clean and (laughs) and think oh i'll never be able to do this do you think some people who i mean obviously everyone's different and some people just don't spend spend as much time spinning their wheels about what Mm. before and after will look like which maybe is better i don't know it's just do you consider yourself a firm decision maker do you is it easy to make it decisions and when you make a decision do you tend to stick with it i think i struggle with making decisions it's a weird range the really piddly small ones should i have pizza or a sandwich for lunch difficult very difficult sometimes i'll just text a good friend to be like, what do i do i can't deal with this somewhere in the middle career and even job type decisions where it's like, should we commit to building this thing, yes or no, those ones feel easier. And then the bigger life decisions, those feel overwhelming. Even even travel, sometimes I struggle. <laughs> I want to go to France. Okay, are we buying this ticket? Is it really happening? When are we going? Um, and I think I struggle even more when it's not just me. I, I'm 
well, I don't know if we're, we can talk about Enneagrams some other time, but I'm a nine. That means you're a peacemaker. You want to just go with the flow. But going with the flow with huge life decisions is not probably the best thing to do. <laughs> so that's that's a weird one where I genuinely do not know if I want to have kids. Probably lean more towards no than yes. But if my partner Brian was all of a sudden, got to have kids, we'd have to definitely talk about it at length but yeah decisions are tough man (laughs) it's funny that you say you know the tiny decisions inconsequential (laughs) ones you find on par in difficulty with the life ones maybe you didn't say that but you you said there's more clarity around the in-between ones which i found Mm. interesting and then do you know brian's enneagram he is a three. I forget what Michael's that's actually. A three as well. I oh, nice. I wanted you to be the one to describe them. I know nine because that's you, that's my dad, and mm. then I'm a one, and my mother is also a one. So those are the basic ones I know because they're extremes. <laughs> I think they're the two polar opposites. Yep. For those who don't know Enneagram, we don't really either, but we know our own <laughs> types, and a one is super territorial opinionated bossy is my understanding okay that's a very harsh description once are harsh is also the, on there <laughs> the appropriate term is perfectionist so i think that's a more positive way to sum all of those other attributes you just mentioned which has maybe a time and a place but i think perfectionist is a much more positive spin because you push for the best peacemaker <laughs> Man, I wish I could remember what threes were. But yeah, it's basically another personality thing. I want to say it's the reformer, but I couldn't tell you what that means. I don't know. I know that I don't. Oh, you know what? I think it's achiever. I think because I I know the general stereotype assigned to a three is they they care a lot about their outward appearance, which makes them seem very vain, but. The example I always tie to my boyfriend is he cares a lot about his his things and keeping them very well cared for and cleaned. His car is always pristine, both exterior and interior. Anytime we get in my car, it's pure chaos, at least in his mind. For me, it's fine. There's a few gum wrappers and shit all over the floor, but it drives me from point A to point B, and he's always, you should clean your car now. <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. But yeah, that one I know is accurate. We we did that thing at work and all the threes have perfect cars and excellent attire, all, all the things. So yeah, that's that all I got. for Michael too. <laughs> Amazing. I like that. I find it interesting that Brian being a male is ambig- ambivalent about having children because hmm. to me, this is not fair, but it feels so deeply female, you know, <laughs> because we're the ones carrying the children obviously there's a huge physical financial whatever Mm. burden on us and so i mean everything we just talked about is gender gender neutral beyond just the unnatural mothering which i still think you could apply to fathering Mm, for Um, sure so that really negates what i just said but i just (laughs) wonder what his rationale when he says it's is it mainly climate you you know what we haven't we haven't gone deep i'm not one to ask why i'm just great you're unsure same yeah that would be an interesting homework assignment (laughs) to to really dig deep that's why i felt that you were 
once you made a decision, you stick with it. You moved to Denver eight years ago and you're like, I like Denver. It works for me. And so that was my impression of you. And mm. you're saying it in a different way that sometimes you don't want to press on something if you're already in alignment, which again, I think is, is peacemaker. Yeah, totally. But it, it just something to consider. And I always think it's interesting just even hearing that you've changed a little bit in your perspective because mm. it's not this binary thing that's unchanging, you know, and, and yeah. even if I feel this way, you know, who's to say I can't change my mind. I, I totally don't currently feel I will, but obviously in life you want to be able to change and grow and decide different things. So I just, I don't know. It's just <laughs> the men and wondering if you, if you inherently know, or if you're on the fence about something, I don't think it's just a gender thing, but it's just, it feels, oh, men either should know or not know, but women, <laughs> you know, we have to really go back and forth because it's just so, so daunting when I think about how long my friend was just before, you know, <laughs> the physical oh, activity. I feel like that's, um, that's the fun part. I don't know why it, when I think about it. No. Or when I think about not having a kid, I I know the birthing process, not so cool. Obviously, even during it, there's a lot of drawbacks, but potential, and there's weird risks. Every pregnancy is different, but I feel that's actually one of those cons that I think about where it's, I would never know what it's like to carry a child. Weird weird thought. I mean, I, I feel that way because I, I think I would always want to have a child, even if I can't biologically. Mm -hmm. And, and so I would feel that I think only because it was taken from me. Yeah. Not, you know, not my choice, but I don't know if I would feel that way if I actively chose not to have children. So that's interesting. Just yeah. A physical <laughs> experience you might want to have. Whereas for me, I would pass that off to Michael any day of the week. <laughs> no Seriously. shit. Absolutely. Oh, see, that's so funny. I don't know if that's something. Yeah, like you said, I do tend to like to nurture and help people. So I, I would never even imagine trying to pass that off to Brian or someone else unless, you know, I have no choice. <laughs> I'm waiting for the technology to catch up so we can be like seahorses and the males can carry the child. Oh, my God. I would love to be a fly on a wall. You and Michael debate who should really carry this child because I'm not sure Michael would be down any more than you would. <laughs> oh, I completely agree. I'm not saying he's waiting with open arms and would do this for me by any means. I'm just saying I would personally absolutely outsource that if I could. Incredible. Well, you can. There are agencies. That's true. Uh... <laughs> That's true. That's funny because I've never thought about that because – then it feels, I mean, I, again, I don't want to make things a, a judgment. To me, that feels, if I biologically could and I just went with, I don't know, people do that too. Women do mm -hmm. that for their careers, which I think is admirable. I think her name is Jamie Chung. She was on The Real World, so she's not a huge name, but she's, I don't know why I'm attacking her career, but she, <laughs> she chose to have a surrogate because she didn't want to pay the physical burden. And she's, I've worked really hard for my career and it would, it would yeah. 
impact me. And so I really appreciate that she said that. She's obviously not obviously, but she's much more wealthy than me. And so I think it's a very expensive thing to do. I, I think I know that it's expensive, but I also feel like I've only seen celebrities do it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the Kardashians, that's really the only model I have of <laughs> surrogacy. And again, they didn't both didn't they did do that. it. Chloe and Kim, but both of them mm. apparently were high risk for pregnancy. They think they oh. wanted to have biological children and couldn't. But anyway, again, I think anyone who wants to have a child can have a child exactly how they want to. But to to the point of would I outsource it truly if I could today? Probably not because your point that I'd want to have that physical experience if I could. But does it make me innately angry that women have to do it always? Yes. Those two, <laughs> those two statements can be true. <laughs> I went through a phase. I still am in the phase of reading a lot of memoirs about people who have alternate paths because I'm unconvinced in the traditional that the traditional path is the one for me. So I love to read memoirs about women who did things differently. And so there was this one memoir that was pretty flagrant. You know, it was trying mm. to get your attention. What I was doing while you were breeding. And you know, it already feels accusatory just saying, yeah, it feels like us in our twenties being, yeah. but first of all, calling it breeding makes us feel like cattle, but anyway, it was an interesting memoir and I did like it. And she, you know, talked about her foibles in her twenties and thirties. And then there was another one, I think it was called late bloomer and something like that. But she also talked about not doing this on the timeline, but what I found Mm. most offensive, maybe not the right word, but I was a little bit let down because both these stories ended with women deciding they wanted to have children in their forties and doing IVF. And I was like, Oh wow. Yeah. I just thought it was so interesting because they spent so much time being, I am superior to you because I am not choosing the conventional path. And then once they were faced with the reality that they couldn't do that anymore, they were, but I actually found my partner and now I want to have children. And so I... I still liked them sharing their story. And I think, you know, again, sharing an alternate narrative is helpful. But I wonder what you think of that. Do you find it conventional that at the end, that's how the story's wrapped up? I was wondering, when you started into this, I was like, how do these books end? Did they actually end up having kids? Just to clarify, in the books, they concede defeat (laughs) and have kids or is this like post book in the uh, book they both have children Mm, wow yeah that's interesting i i mean i i cannot judge i think it's actually a fear in the back of my mind thanks for waiting is what it's called thanks for waiting oh i like late bloomer so much better (laughs) (laughs) i wrote it down that sounds like a peaceful you know, story around not having kids. And I feel yeah. like a late bloomer. And so. she she leads a podcast now. I think it's called Forever 35 instead of Forever 21. Oh, it's Dory Schaefer. I don't remember the author of what I was doing while you were breeding, but I'm pretty sure it's Thanks for Waiting. But mm-hmm. anyway, I totally interrupted you because that came to me. <laughs> How dare you? Continue. You were surprised. Uh, you wanted to hear how they ended. Yeah. Wanted to hear how they ended. I don't know if I'm surprised or disappointed. I don't. I don't think I have an emotion at this time. I, I think if anything, actually, I'm unsurprised because, I, like I said, that's my that is my fear, I, and I do think this is not based on fact, just my own thinking and feelings. That your body, in a lot of ways, is designed to have children, and at some point, 
one inevitably experiences this weird shift where even if the in the past you've been hard no on kids there's maybe a physical need almost to have kids i've just heard weird offhand stories from from friends where they're yes i'm getting older into my 30s i'm starting to just feel see babies and want to have it myself whereas in the past that was just not even a, a thought and yeah, it, it's an interesting one where I'm like, is that going to happen to me? Am I going to just all of a sudden turn some age and be like, shit, I got to have a kid right now? No idea. So I think it's related to your legacy. Chelsea Handler <laughs> has a new stand-up and she was talking to her brother and something like, why are you having kids? And he was like, my legacy. And she was like, your legacy is that you're my brother, which I thought was really funny. It's kind of, who do you think you are? But I think to the point about purpose and having meaning i think a lot of people have children because they want to do better than what mm. they were given at least that's something my dad would say you know is why he wanted to have children and i wonder i don't know if that's intrinsically the same or tied to legacy but you know just trying to do something that you could take credit for and be like, yeah i don't know good or bad Did that. Like, i made that <laughs> yeah i think it's it's not the same, but it's definitely a, another thought. I, when I think about legacy, it's actually less about my own legacy and more about like the general familial legacy, where it's almost my job to continue the this lines. family line, whatever. <laughs> yeah, the bloodline. I'm no royal, but <laughs> yeah, it's weird. Almost like I owe my family that that thing. <laughs> being able to be grandparents or an aunt or whatever that that comes to mind when when you bring that up definitely where my head goes and I don't like it <laughs> I don't feeling like I owe something some to someone right. in terms of what your dad was saying I want to do better I think I actually have the opposite thought or fear in more of the con perspective where no family dynamic is perfect but I had an easy childhood growing up, you know, I would, I never had to worry about when my next meal was. I went to college and didn't have to worry about student debt or loans. And, you know, at the same time, my parents were very, and continue to be very fiscally responsible individuals. And am I in, in that same exact state, you know, in a world where the economy is constantly fluctuating, everyone you know, has this, I feel like there's always this just talk about salaries never being enough to meet the, the needs of today. And I just don't, I don't know if I would be able to provide the same economic security for a child that I grew up with. Caveat to that is when I was a child growing up, I definitely thought I was poor. <laughs> like, you know, we didn't have cable. This is why you and I are friends, because I think we have some similarities. For the longest time, we had Verizon, and I was like, oh, that's the shitty phone carrier, because my parents don't spend money on anything nice. And then come to find out Verizon's the, the, the shitty one. one. <laughs> so I was shocked. But yeah, no, overall, life was good. Life was easy. The recession? What was that? Nah, I mean, we grew up in a town where... I feel like we, no one even really talked about the recession in in the same way that we're also really most young. of the country felt it. But yeah, true. Either way, I don't know that I could do better, at least from a, a financial perspective. And oh, that's so interesting. Yeah, um, because 
you touched on this a little bit with the affection and everything. People talk about their daddy issues, but I feel like people don't talk about their mommy issues. I got mommy <laughs> issues. I don't know if my mom's going to listen to this. I didn't tell her about this, but mom, I got mommy issues, not really so much daddy <laughs> issues. So a big part of why I want to have kids is to overcompensate for what I didn't have. I noticed that I do it with my dog. I'm literally always telling her how much I love her. I tell her 400 Aww. times a day. I love you so much. You're perfect. You're beautiful. I just love you and smother her with love. And <laughs> I was talking to my friend who has children, the, the only children that I like because they like me. And she said she had a similarly sterile mother-daughter relationship. And so she tries mm. to combat that. And so to your point, I don't think you know, every family has their dynamics and you're going to screw your kid up no matter what in some way, because to your point, I had a fabulous childhood too, but I'm still, but these issues, you know, my mom didn't hug me, but I do think, you know, I feel a lasting impression on that. My mom tells this anecdote all the time. I never wanted children. She says that all the time. And oh. I'm like, it's funny. I grew up hearing that. She was like, you know, I never wanted children. And then my friend had children. And I was like, okay, I'll have children. But she tells that and I never thought about it. And, you know, people don't really want to hear that. No. <laughs> you know, and she caveats that with, and then I became a stay-at-home mom. Obviously, I loved it. But like, I don't know, constantly hearing the message that you never wanted children. I don't know. If you end up having children, do you think you're going to say, you know, I was on the fence for a long time. I just don't yeah, no. know if that's Hearing this story? Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, you save that one till they're 20 and they're like, should I have kids? And that's when you get to be like, listen, I wasn't always sure. But yeah, growing up, no, that's, sorry, Nancy, got to decline on that's an overshare <laughs> yeah and it's just funny because you know you never question what your parents do you just think mm -hmm. that's normal and I, totally. mean, I do a lot of comparing growing up basically it was why is my mom not Gilmore Girls why are we not <laughs> Rory and Lorelai you know because I just I mean obviously that's a tv show with a lot of different <laughs> scenarios but I just wanted the best friend mom and mm. not a lot of people have that but i think it's just people do talk about it but i didn't feel like people talked about the tumultuous mother relationship that much which is funny because mm. they talk about it and go more girls like emily and lorelei <laughs> that's totally. the relationship i have you know <laughs> so <laughs> it's not to say people don't talk about it but i i felt certainly not growing up right <laughs> yeah it's just that's part of my selfish reason for wanting to have children, just to be, I mean, I would tell my parents all the time growing up, I'm going to do it so much better. I'm not <laughs> going to do this. And they would be like, I'd like to see you try. They would, we would have that banter, you know, let me know how that works out for you. You know, I'd be <laughs> 10 telling them how they were doing it wrong and I would do it better. And they'd be like, okay. So oh, this is so Kendall. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not saying I'm having children so that I can get back at my parents and prove how amazing <laughs> I am, but I do want to pass on that, what I felt was lacking yeah. in mine. And the financial thing probably should be more top of mind, but it's not <laughs> one of my- You're very fiscally responsible. I'm not worried about you guys. <laughs> I wonder if you feel that your childhood shapes- some of this decision-making, do you feel that? 
resonates at all. Yeah, I, I would say definitely. I, I'm comparing my life trajectory to, uh, you know, uh, a friend of ours from high school who was very close with their family and thought their family was probably perfect. And I thought they were too back in high school. Now I'm not so sure, but you know, they went on to have kids in their twenties and we're not really, we're not friends anymore. Just kind of faded once we went to college and went our separate ways. But I feel that relationship very much shaped their trajectory. And like I said, grew up in a happy household, but I think there were some things that were left to be desired. And I think some of the loving aspects of it, verbal affirmations, even physical, like hugging, things like that, were more limited than maybe in other households. And maybe that has shaped my, it's definitely shaped my personality, right? Nature versus nurture, somewhere in between. That's how you end up becoming who you are as an adult. And and then I think that stems into who you are as a, who you could be as a mother. And also just thinking about myself as a parent. I, you know, you can, like you said, and I agree. I think if I was to have a child, I would absolutely think about my childhood and think about what I would do differently, but I'm not going to be perfect. And I think I'll still struggle with some of the things that my parents probably struggled with and that creates that interesting dynamic between us. So that was a very rambling answer, but it's somewhere in there. <laughs> it's it's funny or curious what comparison, what, what part comparison plays, because you don't know what you're missing until you see it in someone else and then feel it's missing. Mm -hmm. Seeing my friends, parents and moms smother their child and physical (laughs) and verbal love made me realize we didn't have that, you know, Mm -hmm. and I don't know if I would have noticed it without that comparison. I mean, I, I don't live in a vacuum, so it's not really that relevant because you're going to see comparisons even if you're not seeking them and feel yeah. like you got shortchanged somehow if your parents are in, inferior in some ways to others. But it's it's funny because I didn't feel I was overtly emotional in middle school, high school. And I, I thought that was a strength at the time. You know, I was very much like, I don't need hugs. I don't, I don't cry. I don't need to hear you say you love me at the end of a phone call. Gosh, you know, (laughs) my mom and I would be, can you believe those moms and daughters that say, I love you, blah, you know, and now I've transformed into the most sensitive snowflake in the world that needs reassurance. I don't know when that switch flipped, but it's just funny the way your perspective can change. I didn't feel it was a negative until I think I maybe went to therapy and was like, I never was hugged. And then she might've been like, how did that upset you? And I was like, yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> just never, it never bothered me until it bothered me, which I think is true. Everything <laughs> just comes yeah. to the point, but oh, parents, <laughs> the relationship. My last question is, do you think about 
having children to take care of you in your old age. <laughs> is that something that you think about? Because I never think about that. Never. Never. I'm never, thank God I'll have kids to support me when I'm on my deathbed and I need help. But again, I think it's kind of the, I don't follow that forward because I already have my, <laughs> my answer, which shows that I just don't put a lot of in-depth thought into this, I guess, as much as I like to think just because I have the big yes. And so I'm like, no need to poke. Just kind of how you talk with, with Brian about, oh, we're both ambivalent. No need to dig into that. Yeah. But I wonder if that's something you think about and how you feel about it. Yeah. It's on the list of pros and cons in the probably actually middle ground semi potential con. If I don't have children, I don't have this person to take care of me. But it's a semi con because there's no guarantee that adult person actually can or will take care of you. 100%. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I would say it's not a huge factor. And I don't think it should be. It's a little. I think it's incredibly fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, exactly. I have those strong feelings about it. I think you pro you procreated and so I'm indebted to you. I was right. never involved Hard in this pass. decision making. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I yeah, even at a, a higher level, I don't have to call you every day or every week, let alone take care of you, bring you into my home, whatever the expectation may be. Yeah. The guilt. Uh -huh. Yeah. Right. It's this potential comfort, but the notion of having kids so that you definitely have someone to take care of you is absurd. In my Pretty opinion. far stretch, you know. Yeah. That should be like reason eight hundred or you know, pretty far down the list. I, I don't think it it just don't make it a reason, guys. Yeah. For any of you listening to us and taking notes, which maybe just don't take notes, but if you are, <laughs> this um, is not a reason. <laughs> do your parents pressure you or make you feel a certain way? Because you said, Oh, I feel like I might have to continue the familial lines you feel. <laughs> One time on a walk, what I was like, yeah, to my dad. I was like, yeah, I don't think I'm the type of person to have kids. I don't think I need to do that. And he was like, oh, well, there's other options. He kind of, he, what, when, he's also a nine, so I don't, he's never going to outright be, <laughs> that's fucked up. You have to have kids. <laughs> I want grandbabies. But, you know, the feeling was oh bummer i would like you to have some kids so i can be a grandpa he he likes kids he's always been i think good with them or at least had fun interacting with them <laughs> i i don't know so yeah there's that weird pressure i i know my i, I should not assume anything but i don't think my mom cares <laughs> in the best of ways mostly because they one time had some foster kids of my cousins over and that was maybe four or five hours of them running around I think my cousins were also there and they cited that as oh exhausting I don't know if I need to do that again right. <laughs> I was like great <laughs> off the hook and that was maybe five years ago so now they're even older and more tired <laughs> but yeah do you think about that in yourself it freaks me out that I'm officially older than <laughs> my mother was when she gave birth. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, it's it's not going to get any easier. So that absolutely freaks me out. Yeah, the physical stuff. I've ugh, There's so many 
things around that. I, I don't think I've, I've lost weight in life, but usually by accident, not intentionally. And I feel <laughs> if you have kids, you got to be goddamn intentional. Otherwise, that's just sticking around. 100%. And back to what we were talking about earlier, how am I supposed to raise this infant and then also prioritize my health and well-being? I can barely do it just working a full-time job and taking care of a dog and a cat. They're very low-maintenance creatures. So say goodbye to whatever bot I had before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I go outside and I see someone pushing a stroller, runner stroller, you know, I'm like, that's going to be me. But I don't think it is. <laughs> oh, I do. I definitely do. <laughs> I echo what you said. It's already so hard to try to do these things without taking care of a small child so mm -hmm. throw mm -hmm. a very needy crying the crying <laughs> oh the crying. that's why i think i don't really care for them i'm just like Ugh. <laughs> the tantrums too i just feel oh. really deeply uncomfortable when i see it happening and i know i don't want to be that type of person who's just like that you're having a tantrum that's your kid. You know, I yeah. want to be a more accepting person, but it's just a natural reaction to be like, who is crying? Why isn't it stopping? It's very loud and dramatic. <laughs> yes, I feel that. And then I immediately go into, oh my God, what would I do if that was me? And then I try to tell myself that my child won't have tantrums in public, which is absurd. So <laughs> I mean, that's what I think I tell myself too. <laughs> you have to in order to procreate, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think in the end, we probably are just overthinking it all, Kendall. You just got to bite the bullet and start making babies. <laughs> I do I do know that there's never going to be a time where you're ready. But yeah. a friend of mine said her husband was, let's pull the goalie, which goalie, which I thought was really funny. Like oh, that's fun. <laughs> yeah. And she was just not ready. And I just don't know when I'll ever be ready to pull the goalie <laughs> anyway yeah that's the part that scares me being like i'm intentionally trying to do this yeah i don't know yeah yeah after marriage it's the the big intentional decision in life that aside from buying a house i guess but i think buying a house feels a lot less Mm, it's way lower stakes to me. Yeah. Yeah. You can sell the house. You can't sell the baby. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. That's again, goes back to the forever commitment. It's just, you can't just have a bad day. You obviously can have a bad day, but you can't be like, mm. I don't want it anymore. And the fact that I yeah. call them it also is a sign that maybe I'm not a <laughs> natural mother. I call it procreation and I call them it a lot. Michael's like, when are you going to change your terminology? I don't know. Maybe when I decide to pull the goalie, I'll be <laughs> ready to call it childbirth and babies instead of and use their pronouns but yeah okay so inherently i think the goal of mine was to help me selfishly make decisions better decisions and i don't think we got anywhere we oh. just are overthinkers no i think we we went plenty <laughs> of places but i think this is probably a selfish and also un, not a positive goal to have it be Tell me, guest, how, how to live, how to, what to do. Well, I think you helped me, at least today. It, it will change tomorrow or next week or next month. But 
today I'm feeling very anti-child. I have no interest oh. in pulling the goalie. So wow, wow. I don't know Thanks. if I should feel good about that, but I do. I feel good that you feel more strongly one way or the other. But yeah, that was definitely not my intention. <laughs> I know, but I think it's it's fine. It we'll is figure fine. it out. It is fine, and you know what? <laughs> we will one day make a decision or we won't and that's a decision too it going into this i was like i can't wait to listen to this podcast in five years time when we have a totally different fucking lives because it's just nothing will be the same i just i don't think it will be even if we're in the same physical spots i think life will just be so different and then we can laugh at ourselves and I love that. That's part of the reason I wanted to do this podcast. I want it to be almost a time capsule of my life. Again, you don't know what the future holds, which I think is so cool. I was just journaling about that today. I was like, I have no idea what's going to happen. And that's kind of crazy and Mm -hmm. cool. And so, you know, we could talk in six months and have a completely different call about the same Mm -hmm. topic. You know, Mm -hmm. things change. So this is really just a snapshot of what we're feeling today, January 16th. 2023 but shit's gonna get different always yeah yeah which is cool i like it but i appreciate you joining me on let's unpack this the very first episode it was a real delight talking to you allison it always is and you just enjoy the rest of your three-day weekend maybe treat yourself to a gummy do you things you cannot do with a child live your best (laughs) life thanks kendall (laughs) Bye, friend. Bye.